Radio 680 WPTF, making your home great on the radio for two hours today, two till four. I'm Dave Alexander, glad to be here. Tim Ferruzzi also here from Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. Good afternoon, Tim. We're going to have later on the program, Paula Fullerton. Paula Fullerton, of course, from uh, So Fine 2. Uh, details on that uh, uh, conversation later in this hour. Um, and uh, once again, good afternoon, Tim. How you doing today? Doing fine. Good, good. Yep. Now, is our topic today flat roofs and roof patios? Yep. I and thought roof so. Patios, roof patios, what's that, what that means is it's got a, a flat roof under it uh, with some kind of a paver or deck system on top of the flat roof. See, I assume that there's some complexity to making a roof walkable. Yeah. I, I mean, you're, am I correct that realistically even a flat roof, you don't want a lot of people walking on it all the time? That's right. I mean, I mean, there's, this material can wear out, and you, you, want, you want to have something. So there's a... So, so describe to me if you, if you... Well, tell me where you want to start with it, but... Uh, uh, I, I'm really interested in this whole roof patio idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and by it, the way, uh, by the way, next week, yep, uh, we're going to be talking about design failures on the building envelope. Yes, which has to do with the exterior of your home, or your roof, all of that, as well as any buildings you have. That's what's called a building envelope. So we're going to talk about design failures on the building envelope. Yeah, and uh, the week after that, we're going to talk about tile uh-huh. and wood rot. After that. Very good. So, um, flat roofs are uh, don't necessarily have to be dead flat. Uh, they could have a slight pitch on them. Uh, in fact, uh, the manufacturers of shingles and shakes and uh, lots of other types of shingles, whether they be metal shingles, even some metal roofs, mm-hmm. certain types of metal roofs, say do not put their product on anything less than a three twelve pitch. And what that means is. For every three uh, foot high run uh, or height, you, right. you need to go out uh, twelve feet to a point of zero. So if you get below a three twelve pitch, uh, say two and three quarter right. a foot off the ground, out twelve feet down to a point of zero, then you can't use shingles um, uh, and certain types of metal roofs and cedar shakes and metal shakes and you name it and some other things. So that's when a roof basically becomes somewhat flat, even though it's got an incline on it. So flat roofs are not always dead flat. They can have pitches up to uh, most of us. Then when we think of flat roofs, we're thinking something that might be uh, either dead flat or up to a very slight pitch, but even higher pitches would be considered flat roofing type of products where you need more of a waterproofing membrane or a standing seam metal roof. Now, if, if you were to put a standard three-tab shingle arrangement on a less than 312 pitch, would water necessarily seep into it? It would seem to me if, if put, it's... If you put shingles, your question yeah. was, if you put shingles on less than a 312 pitch? Yeah. Well, building code says that you can put shingles on a pitch down to a 212 pitch as long as you have two layers 
of underlayment below the shingles. Okay. However, however, remember the building code is the minimum building code. Right. And so that means everything's done minimally. Um, always better to beef up things in every way when you're looking at the building code. Uh, so to answer your question, um, you know, the shingle manufacturers would prefer you not to do what the building code says, and they want you to stay with the 312 mm-hmm. or above with shingles and, again, with certain types of metal roofs and cedar shakes and metal shakes and plastic shakes and everything mm-hmm. else. So that's not a good practice. If you, A lot of us have those, though. We have these screen porches or these canopies on the back of our house that have a very low pitch and they have shingles on them, right. and it's wrong. That's not the way it was ever supposed to be done. Uh-huh. Um, and I bet you if you pull those shingles off, you will not see two layers of, of, of felt paper or synthetic underlayment under them. Uh, what you really should be using if you're going to do shingles on less than a uh, 312 pitch going down to a 212 pitch is to use something like a ice and water shield. And a lot of us might equate that to a heavy 90-pound uh, paper like they used to use on the sides of the barns that mm-hmm. used to be on the sides of the roads without the granules, um, that is somewhat okay. But, again, you're you're stepping into a gray territory where you should rather not use shingles at all below a 312 pitch. And the is fear the, is that water will get or could get up underneath well, the shingles. Exactly. So what happens is you're, the reason it's a code violation and uh, manufacturers don't recommend it is because then you start getting into structural damage Mm-hmm. get in the mold, and so it becomes a huge liability, so you're taking a lot of risk. Uh, so anytime you go below a 312 pitch, you should uh, consider using a membrane or a standing seam metal roof. And I'll tell you where you can see a lot of these, just roofs put on and, and sort of a, at sort of a gradual pitch, is on the side of a barn. Somebody said, "Well, like I got no room for the for the old tractor, so they put in a lean to, and it's not at a very radical pitch." <clears throat> and I'm assuming that you would look at that and say, "Well, we'd never do that on a house." Well, and you're right; you do see that a lot. And in that case, most people don't care because it's just covering up a lawnmower, right. old car, or truck. And but again, it is wrong. Uh, but you do see that a lot, and most people aren't willing to spend the money to do it correctly, and that's okay because you're yeah. not living in that area. That's right. You're not concerned about mold and things of that sort. But eventually it will fall apart. And two-thirds of them that I will... see are falling apart, Tim. Yes. I mean, they, yeah. they honestly are. There's one I drive by every day, and I think, yeah, I'm not sure I'd park anything underneath there. Well, and here, here's and here's why, because water doesn't always go straight down when it hits the surface. It uh-huh. goes backwards, it goes sideways, you have wind involved, you have trees around and structures. So when water starts going backwards and sideways, it leaks yeah. uh, in areas on low pitches like that. So that's why you need a membrane or a standing seam metal roof, not an exposed fastener roof, which is a metal roof, which is what you see going up on a lot of houses is the exposed fastener type. Yeah, be real careful about your choices on products. And I see so many people that build these screen porches and add these uh, rooms over decks and mm-hmm. things. And maybe they had a 
a guy that really was maybe a good carpenter but really doesn't know the science of water and the right way. And it passes inspection because the inspectors aren't really paying attention to the pitch like they should. Uh-huh. Um, and um, you, so you see a ton of structures built with the wrong product uh, on these slow pitches. Yeah, People put shingles on them because they're cheap and the uh, contractors do it because they can get away with it and they don't understand that this is a liability for the client. Now, is there any way, now I'm, uh, suppose I add a room, and I have to, just for a design, just because of the way it's going to uh, maneuver in the back of my house, it's got to be what you're going to start calling a flat roof or nearly flat roof. Yep. What am I supposed to put there? Well, you can do a rubber membrane. You can do PVC membrane. You mm-hmm. can do a, a TPO membrane. We'll go into all this later. Yeah. You can do a standing seam membrane, a metal, a standing seam metal roof. Uh-huh. Um, and, of course, they have standing seam uh, TPOs that look like metal roofs, um, which is a, just a basic membrane product. And, and there's a couple. There's some modified bitumen. Uh, so, there are, of course, you have the old tar kettle built-up roof like they used to do years ago. They don't do it so much anymore. So, you've got some options, but, of course, it's a different animal than shingles. Okay. We'll talk about those options uh, in segment two of this hour of the radio show. It's called Making Your Home Great. Let's open up the uh, telephone lines at 919-860-9783. Talk to Tim about roofs. It's on his mind today, but uh, if you want to talk to him about anything else, that's all right, too. Making Your Home Great, 919-860-9783. News Radio 680, WPTF. went to wild birds unlimited once they had this bird feeder that when the squirrels got on it and they leaned on the bar it spun around i bought it just for the entertainment value quick accuweather forecast then uh, back with tim ferruzzi and uh, making your home great accuweather forecast sunshine and cooler uh, high today in the 40s is where we are Overnight low of 30 degrees. Then Sunday, sunny and 53. Right now we're at 45 with a real feel of 53 in the sunshine. News Radio 680, WPTF. Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. What's up, Tim? Okay, so we're talking about flat roofs. And um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you when I looked at um, just recently, and I've seen lots of other ones just like this. Yes. Um, where the client had one of these prefabbed um, sunrooms added on the back of their house where it's kind of an aluminum system and the top is, um, the roof system is uh, like a foam insulation, a rigid foam insulation with a cladding on it. Yeah. Almost similar to what you would see when you look at these uh, restaurants and you see these freezers on the back of the restaurants where they kind of stick out. Uh very similar to that type of product. Of course, it's white, though, and looks a little bit more attractive in a residential setting. Yeah. So I see a lot of these um, that are very low pitch. Obviously, they're mm-hmm. typically uh, 
half 12 pitch or a 112 pitch at the most, and um, they tie into house. So this one particular one I looked at, um, I think it was in Raleigh or Durham, I think it was Durham uh, a couple weeks ago, they had put it, uh, when they built the sunroom eight, nine years ago, the contractor that uh, was certified to put in the sunroom put it kind of in the back corner of the home, mm-hmm. inside corner, so you've got all this roof area dumping right onto this, and the hard part is how do you transition that roof system of the sunroom to the house itself, and that I see this a lot. So essentially... Um, it starts leaking from day one. The client may not know it. Uh, they may see little trickles on certain storms, but, of course, when you see little water, usually there's a, a lot of water, and, um, you know, you may not see it right away. It may be going behind a fascia board or in a wall or um, or just, just kind of accumulating and never coming out enough to see it yeah. uh, until you have more damage. So in their case, uh, they needed a new roof anyways, uh, shingle-wise, but it was not leaking from the upper area. It was leaking into transition, and when I looked up on there, you could see all the gunk and goo where the contractor came back and tried to do it here this way, that way, this way, here this way. And, you know, it just nickel and diamond it, and then the homeowner was just frustrated yeah. with it, and they called us out to address it. So we needed to come in with um, basically the best way to address that situation, uh, in my opinion, is to do a, do a fully adhered, EPDM, which is rubber membrane over the whole uh, sunroom roof, yeah. and go over the fascia board and tear out shingles above it and run the EPDM up about three feet and then re-shingle down about half of that uh, uh, roofed area, the shingle area, leaving the transition from the home to the sunroom all EPDM. And then, of course, the sunroom itself would have an EPDM layer on it as well, but it would not be mechanically fastened with screws because of the insulation panels that make up the roof system. We would just do a fully adhered system using glue. And all this is a system that's, you know, we're a Mulehide certified installer, so we can give you warranties. So, and we're going to, you know, we're going to guarantee you it doesn't leak. So I see these scenarios quite a bit, even on roofs that have, that are sunroofs like this that have a little gable roof built on them, and that's still a low pitch. Yeah. Instead of doing a lean-to, they do a gable roof on it, and um, I see, excuse me, I see um, where those leak as well. So those are real uh, uh, questionable, uh, you know, tie-ins to a house, and roofers really should be engaged at that stage of, of of that product, but so many of these guys that install these these kits um, feel like they can handle it and they solve the problem. But eight times out of ten, seven times out of ten, mm-hmm. uh, they're leak. They leak. Well, they're thinking it's just a little tiny piece of roof. Gosh, it's only fourteen by twenty. That's practically nothing. I can take care of this. Well, not... but it's what it's what's dumping on it. Yeah. That's the problem, and it's also how it's tied in. Yeah. So it's not the roof itself that's leaking generally. Yeah. It's the transition and all the water from above that leaks at that transition that's causing the problem. Yeah. This was a, a situation where you're tying into an existing roof system, and then you had to go back and put this EPDM on there. 
Yeah. Um, and and you had to go. I, I guess you had to. What you had to do, you had to go farther than just to, at the edge of this other roof, this new roof. Well, and we haven't done this project yet. What yeah. ended up happening is we started talking about what it was going to cost to do this section and how we yeah. were going to have to go up and replace some wood rot, go into the roof itself. Yeah. And I said, you know, sir, I said, husband and wife, I said, your your roof, your roof itself is only going to last three to four more years. And what I'm concerned about, and I'll do this section the way I'm proposing to do it, but let me mention something to you. In three or four years when we replace, we or somebody else replace the, the shingles in the broad area above this roof that we're now addressing, Yeah, there's going to be lots of nails and debris coming down, and they're going to have to be extra careful. So in an ideal world, if money was not an issue as much, you would tear out the whole section of shingles all the way on those planes that dump into this, yeah. which goes from basically being 50 square feet to 800 square feet, and at least do that section of the roof now. And then, of course, you can do the other side of the roof and that other side and that other side in three to five years when you start getting more failures with the shingles themselves. Yeah. So he basically said, well, that's going to be the minimal that I do. I'm not going to just do the rubber roof. And by the way, just give me a quote on doing the whole entire roof because I think I've got some other damage that needs to be addressed. So we've submitted uh, an estimate to him, and he's um, I think he's pursuing insurance uh, because of potential hail uh, issues. So he may end up doing everything, uh, you know, in one kit and caboodle versus trying to just do that area. And I think that's probably a good way to approach it in his situation, Mm -hmm. but not all situations. We do a lot of areas where we can just come in and rework a certain spot and, uh, and feel comfortable with it. But you just have to look at the age of the roof around it and, you know, just look at it and make decisions based on budgets. And theoretically, if somebody is planning an additional room and add a room, a sunroom, they ought to include you in the conversation if only from your expertise on on roofing, I'm, if they, if they that's an easy question. Me, to they need to include a professional roofer, not just someone that comes out and knows how to install shingles, which is about seventy percent of the guys out there. Oh, I'm a roofer because I know how to install shingles. Yeah, and and even and so and, and we all know what we're talking about with with that. Um, just because you know how to install a shingle doesn't mean you understand the science of uh, how to how to handle water. Um, there's so many things that you have to think about with the flashings, with the underlayments, with the chimneys, with the gullies, uh, with the low pitch environments, and so. And, and really, I will tell you, more than seventy percent, probably ninety-five percent of the roofers get it wrong, hmm. either because they don't know or they don't care, and you will find that. 5% that really understand it have been in the business long enough and, and do quality work that they do those special applications where needed. I go out to brand new homes uh, being built now or built two years ago that have these gullies where these valleys just kind of dump and they hit this wall mm-hmm. about a foot uh, back further than they should. And what happens is that becomes a flat roof environment because the water starts going backwards and sideways. So 
just design issues on the way a house was built, and then you've got to roof it a certain way in those situations. Otherwise, you're just, you know, you're you're getting thousands and thousands of dollars of damage if it's not done right. All right. To talk to Tim today, either about roofing or anything else, call us up at 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. In a little over a half an hour, we're going to talk to Paula, Paula Fullerton of So Fine 2. They're at Sutton Station, but they're also on our radio station today after 3 o'clock on Making Your Home Great. Telephone number right here, 919-860-9783. News Radio 680 WPTF. News next. Making your home great. News Radio 680 WPTF. Mostly clear. Just a few clouds. And uh, right now it's 45. Real Field 53. News Radio 680 WPTF. Dave Alexander along with Tim Ferruzzi. Tim, of course, of Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. And today, Tim, we're talking about roofs. Talk to me about uh, flat roofs. You mentioned EPDM. What are the other products I can put on a roof? So EPDM is known as rubber. EPDM uh-huh. is is a is acronym for the for the long um, chemical name of of synthetic rubber, basically. Yeah. Um, and and rubber roofing comes in forty five mil, sixty mil thickness, and ninety mil thickness. Um, and and the forty five and sixty comes with you can get some reinforcement options, some scrim that's built inside of the product. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, you can get a white sixty mil EPDM. We use a ninety mil EPDM period, and right. I special order it. Uh, there's almost no one else in North Carolina that even uses it. The nice thing about it is it's twice as thick as what everybody else uses, which is typically a forty five mil in, in residential um, the residential sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the commercial sector, most guys will use a 60 mil. Almost no one uses a 90 mil, so we order it, you know, uh, 50 rolls at a time from our manufacturer, and we use it both residentially and commercially. Yeah. And even on small roofs, uh, we use it uh, versus always bigger roofs. So um, the 90 mil product will last 30 to 40 years, yeah. whereas historically when people think of flat roofs, they last, 10 to 20 years, this product will last 30 to 40 years. And, um, of course, with these levers, you need to have it checked occasionally, um, just like shingles as it gets older. Yeah. Uh, aside from aside from rubber roofing, uh, Dave, other products out there are PVC membranes, mm-hmm. which is basically plastic. And then there's TPO, which is thermoplastic uh, as well. Um and uh, those are just different membranes. PVC you'll see uh, used a lot in uh, um, restaurant scenarios like a uh, McDonald's or Burger King or Hardee's or whatever, yeah. um, where there might be some grease issues. Uh, EPDM rubber doesn't do real well in those environments. Um, you don't want grease mixing with rubber or asphalt. Uh, liquid asphalt, not asphalt shingles per se, because yeah. when you when you blend those together, there's really not an issue like there is with the other. So, 
TPO is typically used, um, if you guys ever see these big stadiums that have these uh, colorful roofs or a uh, museum that has uh, a very odd-shaped roof or a hotel or something that has very colorful roofing yeah. with odd shapes, that would be a TPO product, usually um, white, gold, copper, red, green, you name it. TPO does a lot of that. And then you have modified bitumen, right. which is uh, can either be cold-applied, uh, meaning you don't have to use torches or heat, or... Uh, you've got the torch down product, um, and that comes in three foot rolls, and it melts. You see a lot of that being used in in Florida. Uh, it is used in, in in the Carolinas as well, just not as much as the membranes are. Right. Um, there's more seams with that product because it comes in three foot rolls, but it's a system, it's built up system. And uh, it's already got a granule built onto it. It's a good product as well, but you're dealing with more seams. And the advantage with the membranes, the TPO, the PVC, and the rubber is your seams are further apart. Instead of having a seam every three foot by the length, you have a seam every 10 feet, 20 feet, 50 feet, depending on, on how big the application is. And you're rolling it from the top, from the peak down? No, you're 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 going from the low point up. Okay, and all right. You're going parallel with the with the pitch. Okay, that makes um, sense. Makes yeah. more sense than my plan, but there you go. Well, I mean, I've seen what your the idea that you're talking about works okay on on some of these arched roofs that are barrel shaped. Um, you know, you can go either direction. Uh, the manufacturer will lend their opinion on the way that should be done, but some yeah. of these gymnasiums that you see from the good old days that have like a slight little barrel to it. Yeah. You could go either way with the membrane in that application as long as the manufacturer approves it. Um, I I have to admit that there's a uh, – when you say, all right, this EPDM, well, it's a rubber product, and PVC, that's a plastic, and TPO is a thermal plastic, and then there's modified bitumen, uh, which is what kind of uh, is it Modified made out of? Bitumen is a bitumen. It's basically an asphalt. Asphalt. Okay. Um, I don't. Bitumen. I don't think I want what looks like a rubber roof on top of any part of my house. That's. Not, but you're going to talk me out of that feeling. Well, that's that's the that's the product that's most prevalent. Okay. Uh, when it's when it's installed nowadays, yeah, you're not going to see it in most scenarios okay and it can be coated with um if you go with the 60 mil or less which we don't do we always use 90 right you can coat it i mean some of them come white which yeah. gives you the reflectivity now if we do a 90 mil which we will do if we do it or we're not going to do it at all we are going to uh we can give you an option of coming back and put in elastomeric coating which is basically just rolling on a coat of white or even color Okay. Um, we've had a scenario up um, in the Triad area where she had a metal roof put on, and uh, they put it everywhere. And then on her low pitch areas where the metal roof were, mm-hmm. were they were leaking like crazy. So we ended up coming in and putting EPDM mm-hmm. in all of the lower pitch areas, taking the metal off, which was only two or three years old, and uh, lifting up the metal 
at the higher pitch areas to run a rubber up under it mm-hmm. and cutting some of it back. And then we ended up painting. Uh, we put an elastomeric coating on the rubber roof, and we painted it the same red as the rest of her metal roof. Okay. And um turned out wonderful. And, uh, of course, that was several steps in painting. It's an elastomeric versus, and then you come back with some either elastomeric or acrylic coating on top of that. And then they've got silicones that can be used as well. So to answer your to remark there, um, most of the time you don't see lower pitch roofs, and if you do, there are things you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and most of the time you probably drive by these things all the time and don't even recognize that there might be that product being used in, in correct applications yeah. on homes. Well, no. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, Tim, where, you know, if you say rubber, we all think of how we would put down rubber or how we would, <laughs> not necessarily how you would, okay? I mean, it's like a, uh, the only c- comparison I can think of is, you know, there are people with tinted windows on their car, and then there are people who order or buy tinted window kits, and there are 10,000 bubbles inside Absolutely. the tinted windows, right? Absolutely. The and difference that's between... A good, that's, a good, that's a good comparison okay. because there's the roofers that say they know how to do rubber roofing. Right. But there are so many details. The book that we use is about an inch and a half thick, and there's so many technical diagrams and so much verbiage in there that you really need to know how to install it properly and all the details Otherwise, you're going to get the scenario you just mentioned. It's not going to look like a rubber thing when you're done with it. Absolutely not. If you look out on, if you look out the window, um, you don't know what it is. Good. It's a chalky, chalky gray black color. Yeah. Um, And again, most other people don't even see it, but it is a beautiful uh, waterproofer. Okay. Because of just the way it's made, designed, and installed, and there's the we use butyl uh, tapes, and uh, they've got away from the neoprene. So most of the products that are being used to adhere it uh, together is butyl material, which is a, a superior uh, binder for waterproofing and other applications. And of course, the adhesives and the fastener, everything is a system. So when we buy this, we buy that. You can't just piece it, piecemeal it. You have to buy all of the components to do it properly. Right. We're talking about flat roofs and roof patios, and we've nearly never touched on roof patios. So we need to do We're that. Do that the next. Yeah, we'll do that during the next talk here. Excellent. Uh, talking with Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. You want to contact them? You could go to the website handyhelpersremodel.com or highlandroofingnc.com. And once again, Tim, I find myself without the uh, contact number for you, but I know it's a 919, and yes, it's... Uh, 919-676-5969. 5969. 919-676-5969. Of course, you can ask your question right now at 919-860-860. 9783, making your home great. Every Saturday from 2 until 4 on News Radio 680 WPTF.
Radio 680 WPTF. AccuWeather forecast includes sunshine clouds and then partly cloudy tonight. Overnight low in the 30s. Really, literally at 30. Then for Sunday, a high near 53, which is going to seem a little warm by then. And then Monday, some rain and 58. It is 45 with a real feel of 53. Making your home great uh, this hour. Talking about uh, roofs and roof patios, flat roofs and roof patios, with Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers, the website handyhelpersremodel.com, and Highland Residential Roofing at highlandroofingnc.com. Tim, before we get in back into the roof patios and flat roofs, yep. next week is design failures, and your phrasing is very interesting, Design failures on the building envelope. What does that mean? Well, I mean, we're talking about it a little bit a little bit today, um, but the building envelope is basically our exterior of our home. That's what creates our home as we know it, uh, and uh, it's an envelope. So, um, your roof, your walls, and um, how they're designed, the types of materials, the things that we're talking about today, your windows, your doors. So it's just kind of a, a full-scale system uh, communication about what kind of design failures uh, happen and can happen to your home. And, and that's a very technical way to say design failures on the building envelope. When we talk, uh, you know, amongst ourselves as contractors at symposiums and conventions, you know, we go to classes at these conferences, and, of course, you've got architects up there, you've got um, designers, and you've got energy people, and they all use the term building envelope. And obviously, it's more of a commercial word, but it's a residential application as well. So we're going to talk about what kind of things are failing on our homes and why and and how it's costing us more money, and uh, we may or may not know it. All right, excellent. Now, let's talk about roof patios. My house does not lend itself for this, but there are houses that are designed with roof patios that you can, I I think people think, you know, you're going to go out there with your morning cup of coffee. What's the well? What's the design yeah. challenge? Well, um, and you will see it on on higher end homes most of the time. Uh, you'll see lots of houses that have low pitch roofs or flat roofs, but they weren't designed uh, at all for going out and walking on. So most of the time, when we think of this, it's uh, higher end homes or a certain style of home that might have that application and. And below that would typically be a garage, carport, or actually it could be a master bedroom, living room, uh, bonus, you know, uh, rec room, anything, bedroom, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, so most of us, when we have to, to simplify it for a minute, we if we have a double deck, a deck that's got two tiers, we walk out of a patio door and we're sitting on our deck and we're you know, drinking our coffee or, or hanging with friends and looking over the backyard or the side yard, whatever. Yeah. Well, in that application, it's very similar, except what's what you got going on is you've got actually 
a living area or something below it that cannot allow the water to go through it like a deck would. So uh, you would actually have a rubber membrane. Um, so let's imagine that you don't have a two-tier deck, but you have a two-tier uh, addition, and you want to be able to walk out of your patio and walk on top of it and use that addition as a third elevation um, uh, patio, mm-hmm. so outdoor living. And uh, so you've got to do something to protect the inside of the room below that, and that would be a rubber membrane, PVC, and so on and so on, things we've already talked about. And you would either come in with a uh, paver system, and it's got to be installed a certain way. And there are certain types of roofs uh, mostly used in commercial applications, and sometimes you see them at some of these hotel balconies that can be used as the... um, There is no paver required. It's actually the way the product is built. It's made together. I've not done much of that, Mm -hmm. but... um, where it is actually the surface you walk on. But it's it's rare. It's probably a TPO of some kind, if I had to guess. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's got a speckle look to it. Um, but in most applications, uh, on the larger roofs that might be 10 by 20 or 20 by 20 or, or whatever, you would have either a paver system, and usually it's elevated, but you don't know that. Yeah. Um, or it's built up on paver on, on a mortar bed or there's a deck there that's just kind of loose laid that sits on top of the membrane below it. Now, the best way to do that if you're going to do um, a mortar bed to build up your tile, which is kind of like you would do a, a, a tile floor, except uh-huh. you're doing it thicker, yeah. is you would want to lay down an, a sacrificial layer of membrane to separate that system of that you walk on from the actual roof itself. And so often I see that not being done. Same with if you decide to put a deck on a flat roof and it's just kind of a loose laid deck where you're just having gravity hold it in place. Yeah. Because obviously you don't want to puncture the rubber or the membrane. Yeah. So it would just be gravity holding it in place and you would have your your um, your uh, two-by-fours or whatever just kind of spaced apart and then you screw your decking boards into that and not going through your rubber. You yeah. still want to have another sacrificial layer of, of membrane between that system and the actual roof that's doing the the waterproofing, right? right? Because it just acts as a separation divorce layer, so that one doesn't damage the other. Um, and and when you do in commercial roof settings, and most of us haven't been on commercial roofs, but when the heating and air guys go up there to service the units on the roof or whatever. Yeah. They have these mats that are usually laid down, creating these pathways because they want you to stay off the actual roof itself. So they create a separation layer by putting down mats, uh, pads, and sometimes even uh, a second layer of the membrane that's kind of loose laid or just slightly packed. So going back to the roof patios, typically higher-end homes, uh, architecturally designed that way, uh, can be uh, a host of issues from that. Obviously, if, if things aren't done correctly, I ran into a situation uh, about a month ago. Actually, let's back up. I went, it was about two or three, two and a, three months ago, a client called me out. Uh, it was an architect involved and um, high-end home, and they had uh, this, this patio over the master bedroom. Um, so we were hired to 
tear off the the material that was there. wasn't really We weren't really sure how it was comprised, but we felt ninety five percent sure, hundred percent sure, actually, the architect as well, that the builder that built this thing had framed this room up with a slight pitch. I think we talked touched on this a little bit a couple uh, uh, episodes back, and um, so we were hired to tear this thing off. Uh, put in a new rubber roof, and then, of course, when the paver system came in, put in a, 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 a grid system that would support pavers, mm-hmm. so the water could drain through the pavers, and then drain out and go off the edge of the house. Um, so we get into this job. I've uh, been waiting for weather. We had a lot of bad weather back then. Of course, then the hurricane's coming, so we had like a four-day window. So we tore off this thing. This thing that ended up being... Um, three to four inches thick of mortar bed, and come to find out the whole structure that it was on top of was built dead flat and even had a low spot in the middle. So we had to put a rubber roof in place. We couldn't loose lay because there's all kinds of roofing areas dumping onto it. So these are the types of things you run into occasionally. All right. Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. You want to get in contact with him directly, 919 676 5969 or his various websites, which we'll mention on the other side of the news. And coming up, Paula Fullerton of So Fine 2. News Radio 680 WPTF making your home great from 2 until 4 every Saturday afternoon. And we're grateful this hour. We've got Paula Fullerton of So Fine Too. First, let me just mention that uh, a radio show uh, hosted by myself, Dave Alexander, Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers, and Highland Residential Roofing. And uh, we actually archive the shows so you can tune in even when you're not listening now, which, of course, you are listening now. I don't know why I mentioned that. But you can listen to it again if you miss something. Paula Fullerton, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you this afternoon? You know, I I honestly we need Mike Slayman here. <laughs> Mike Slayman, great. He's he hosts some of the shows um, here at the station. Some of the uh-huh. the financial show earlier before our show comes on. And Mike has been doing your commercials so long that when I say so fine too, I I hear it as. So fine, too. Because that's the way he <laughs> presents it. Mike and I do go way back. Oh, he's a good guy. Listen, yeah. Paula Fullerton is a, a, has a full-service interior design firm. And I, Mike told me that you've been operating since 1988. Yes, we have in Durham, but we service the entire triangle and always have. What was your vision in 88? Well, you know, I, I was a fairly new North Carolinian, and I saw the potential uh, that this area had, and I thought that this would be the perfect place to have my interior design business. And the, the services that you provided to begin with, are they the same things you're doing now? We have expanded. When we started, we were doing custom window treatments, both hard goods and soft goods, so like mm-hmm. blinds and draperies. Yep. We were doing wall coverings, um, and we were doing bed coverings. Now we have expanded to do furniture, 
um, full-service design, remodeling. We just adapt it as the area had more demand. And you're going to help people with their questions about design. You're not just going to sell them a drapery or something. Absolutely. Okay. Our, our, um, the way we operate in my business is we interpret what the person wants, needs, and has budgeted for it should never look cookie-cutter like SoFine 2 will never have a signature look. We create the home and the rooms that, that the homeowner wants. So what kind of questions do you have to ask? Do you have to actually visit their home or see pictures of it? Well, actually, you know, with, with technology now, we usually start out with pictures before we even go to a person's house. But then we ask how a room is used, um, what their expectations are. What their plans are for the home, like are they staying in this home for a few years or is this their forever home? And we take the project from there. Some people want only advice. Some people want us to come in and do it, you know, walls, ceilings, and floors. And we do everything in between. Uh, To the point of picking out art for us? Absolutely. Really? Art is one of the needs, yes. Oh, man. Can I help you with that? You know, I just do what my wife says. Is that a good strategy, Paula? (laughs) Well, you know, I would say it's 50-50. A lot of times it's choice by by what I call committee, where it's everyone who has a say in the household. In in some households, one spouse or one partner will say, just handle it, I just want to enjoy the result. I live in a a decision-by-committee household. Yeah. (laughs) And actually took my husband to market this time. Yeah, we're going to get into that. You were at the... High Point Furniture Market. And what were you looking at there? Well, every time my staff and I go, we have a particular type of home furnishing we're looking for. This time we were looking at upholstered furniture because there's such a big demand for North Carolina-made upholstered furniture. So that's what we concentrated on. And we still produce a lot of that, don't we? Well, we produce a lot, and we're producing even more. Some of the businesses that have left and gone offshore are back. Um, New businesses have opened up in North Carolina, and it's to the point where the community colleges in western North Carolina actually will train workers. It's underwritten by the furniture companies, and when they graduate, they have a job. Oh, that's a neat thing. It's a good position to be in for our state. Okay, let's talk about homes. Okay. First thing that you've got listed, I think, is window coverings. Mm-hmm. Is uh, this was the core of your business at one time? I think that's uh, correct. And and what I just think it's just cloth in the window. Apparently, I'm wrong. What are my uh, choices here? Uh, <laughs> well, the number one choice to make is why do you need window treatments? Or uh, do we have a need like to offer privacy or to stop heat and cold from entering a room? Or do we need to just sort of window dress? The next decision you're going to make is, do you want to get up out of your comfortable sofa, open and close your window treatment, or do you want to sit on the sofa with your iPhone and open and close it? Oh, yeah. You're going to get me a remote control for my, uh, for my window even, coverings? You don't even need a remote control. No? You just need a smartphone or a tablet now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And right. you can operate it from those. That's neat. This, oh, it's, uh, this it's blinds fun. also... Like horizontal blind blinds? Shades, mm-hmm. Blind shades, drapery rods, we can motorize almost anything. Some of them need to be need to have an electrical source. Some of them are battery-operated. Yeah. 
I could see this causing a lot of trouble in my house because everybody has a smartphone. <laughs> my kid would be upstairs, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. closing <laughs> and opening and closing just to drive the dogs nuts. Well, let me tell you, I wish I had it when my when I had my teenagers at living at home to get them up for school in the mornings. Yeah, I could have been down in the kitchen and opened their windows. <laughs> yes, to the side, to the eastern end of the house. Sure, that's right. To get that's the right. get that's the a sun great in. Idea, Paula. That's <laughs> a great idea. So there's a lot of practical uses for motorized window treatments. Motorized window treatments. Can I uh, uh, now? Maybe I'm uh, asking the wrong person. Can, uh, can't I also get uh, windows? With that, um, like built-in shades or shutters or blinds, there are some. There are some windows, some brands of windows that do have a mini blind built uh-huh. in. Um, to my best of my knowledge, you have to manually open and close that, uh-huh. um, and it's always between the two panes of glass. I prefer treatments that can cover the window when you need it and mm-hmm. disappear off the window when you want your view. Can I can I raise them by remote control also? Some of them you can. Yeah. It all depends on the size of the window and the weight of the treatment. I like it. I like it. How about the, uh, as I just described it, the cloth in front of the window? What are my choices there? Okay. Um, right now. Drapes. The are they called drapes? Draperies. They're still popular because they can be made to uh, blend into the background or dominate the, the room. Uh-huh. But also Roman shades, which tent, they are made out of fabric, but they raise, um, they raise vertically. So they'll go from the sill of the window to the top of the window, uh-huh. as opposed to a drapery, which goes side to side. Okay. And the Roman shades are, do they fit inside the window left to right? Or do they extend beyond the size of the window? Well, they, they a Roman shade is usually not much larger than a window. Okay. Um, they're usually meant to cover the window and the window trim. And if you have a deep enough recess on your window, they can be put inside the trim as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm seeing a, uh, a design photograph from your website where somebody has arched windows... Mm-hmm. Again, as Tim mentioned in the uh, the previous hour, he used the phrase "higher-end homes." That distinguishes from Dave's home. Okay, <laughs> whenever you hear that, that has to do with not Dave's home. But this was obviously a higher-end home, and they've got several arched windows, mm-hmm. and you found blinds to fit them. Custom-made blinds can fit arched windows. Again, depending on the size, will depend on what we can select for the window. Right. But we we have never met a window we could not treat. Okay. We get pretty creative. And and custom window treatments aren't for just high-end homes. They're for all homes. I like to think it's better to spend your money once, put the right treatment that fits properly, and not have to replace it. Yes. So my only choice is not metal Venetian blinds. My, I can make my room better looking. I, you know what I'm talking about, the metal yeah. Venetian blinds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are the, bl- mini blinds, yeah. the What are they called? Mini blinds. Mini blinds. They are the blinds that made America great in the 1940s and 1950s. Mm-hmm. They They're, were the two-inch. They were the real Venetians. And yeah. then later on... Later 60s and 70s, they became one inch and even half inch. Yeah. And now, now they are not necessarily the window covering of choice because there are so many other options. 
for example, a metal conducts heat and cold. So why, if you have a window mm-hmm. that gets very hot in the summer or very cold in the winter, why do you want something to bring that into your room? Right. Well, that makes sense. Paula Fullerton is with us on Making Your Home Great. Uh, the, uh, the the design center is so fine, too. I should tell folks it's S-E-W, so fine, too. And if you're looking for the website, it's S-E-W-F-I-N-E, the number two, dot com. But Google can find you even if you type in so fine, I-I. It worked today. You were the first one there. so Well, that's good to hear. It's, it's good to hear. So so if you want to talk to Paula Fullerton about your design questions, we are standing by. Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. Myself, Dave Alexander, and Paula from So Fine 2 on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, making your home great on every Saturday. Telephone number is uh, 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Call up Paula Fullerton today, right now, on the show. She is uh, in charge of So Fine 2. Uh, and we're talking about design uh, services available from SoFine 2. Let me quickly jump in with the AccuWeather forecast. Partly cloudy, high today near 46. We're at 45 now with a real feel of 47. Our overnight low tonight is 30 on the button. News Radio 680 WPTF and of course WPTF.com. Paula Fullerton, what uh, there's, there's I think been an explosion of Ways to deal with the windows and, and, and either blocking out the windows or, or treating the fact that sunshine's coming in. Um, I'm going through the list of things that have to do with window treatments, including these cellular shades. They're not phone-related shades. No, these are honeycomb-shaped shades. Yeah. If you look at them from the side, you'll see that honeycomb shape. Yeah. And what they do is they have a dead air space between the two layers of fabric that make the honeycomb. Right. And that is the most insulating type of treatment you can put on a window. Um, it does not allow the cold air to enter a room or the heat of the summer to enter a room. Right. And they're very, very energy efficient. And yet you get a lot of light through them? Some of them you do. depends yeah. on the fabric that you choose. Um, we're a Hunter Douglas dealer, and they come in three different op- opacities, from a sheer, which doesn't give you as much thermal property, to a semi-opaque, which is very energy efficient. When the window's covered with the shade, the fabric glows, so your room is not darkened. You don't feel like you're in a cave. Right. And then the final option is they have a mylar coating laminated to the inside of the cell, which allows absolutely no light to come through. So if you're a light sleeper, um, Mm -hmm. if you need to totally darken a room, say, to watch movies or television, those are the perfect options. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get the link on this and an explanation to Patrick Johnson 
so that he can sleep from, you know, one in the afternoon until whenever he needs to. Because morning radio people really need this. That's right. You need to block out the sun. Uh, Totally. Well, and shift workers at hospitals or other facilities, there are a lot of people who have to be able to sleep when they're home, and the sun doesn't always cooperate. It makes sense. Should we move on from window treatments, or are you... Do you have another topic you want to talk about with that? Well, no, I, but I would love to tell you what I saw at market this year. Yeah, please. Go ahead and okay. do that right now. Okay. Well, as I said, our, our quest this year at market was to look at upholstered furniture. Right. And we saw some new trends, which were wonderful. I have a particular fondness for swivel chairs, and swivel chairs have been very hard to find over the years. But they're the most practical chair you can put in a room. For example, you know, if you have your furniture set up so that people have a conversation area, but maybe there's also another focal point in the room, like right. a fireplace or a view out a window or a television. Yeah. The person in the chair quite often is stuck. He, has to, he or she has to rotate their entire body to, to take in everything that's offered in that room. Yeah. Well, swivel chairs, you just move the chair. They're just wonderful. So we were delighted this year to see that almost all of the, the really good North Carolina companies are offering swivel chairs, and the styles go from very contemporary to very traditional. And these are swivel chairs for the living room or for the living areas? Any room. Any yeah. room that needs a chair, okay. we would put them in. Okay. All right. And, you know, you can do them in leather. You can do them in fabric. Um, we're, we're selecting for our clients now a lot of what we call performance fabrics on our furniture, our upholstered furniture, and we were happy to see that our um, furniture manufacturers are offering more and more in their lines. And when we say performance fabrics, it means you can sit on them, you can abuse them, you can steal things on them, your pets can get on them, Yay. and they're not going to stain, they're not going to absorb odors, and they're not going to show wear as quickly as other fabrics. That's a neat idea. This is not, and that's not just because somebody sprayed something on it afterwards. No, I assume there's, yeah. It's something called nanotechnology, which actually brings high tech into the upholstery market and the fabric market, where it actually um, permeates every bit of the fabric, every bit of the fiber. It does not allow odors or stains to absorb. We need this. And it feels like any other fabric you've ever touched or sat upon. We're yeah. also using a lot of sunbrella-type fabrics. Sunbrella, you know, everyone, I think, thinks of sunbrella on their outdoor furniture. Right. But, you know, Glen Raven Mills, which is a North Carolina company, has just done wonderful things with this, this fabric, which is a solution-dyed acrylic, meaning the color is part of the fiber. All right. right. So it's not going to fade as quickly. And, again, fade-resistant, mold and mildew-resistant, um, very wearable, and we're doing these a lot in homes, too, in kitchens, in dining rooms, and in family rooms. I, I like that. I, I like the idea that it's not going to get all stained up. Right. Um, your furniture should last. You know, you're, you're making an investment in a piece that's going to be in the room a long time, so even the fabric should hold up. Well, how long should fabric hold up on a chair? Well, it depends on what you've selected. If, there's this, and I don't mean to bore you, but there's something called a double rub standard, meaning one double rub is every time you get on and off a chair, and it's the wear that the front leading edge of the cushion takes. Yes. So the higher the double rubs, the longer the, the fabric is going to last. 
So for an ordinary house, I like anywhere from 8,000 to 12,000 double rubs, and that's going to last you about 8 to 10 years. They literally have a number for the fabric? They do, and they actually have tests in laboratories to see how the fabric will hold up. I like it. They must have a machine that sits they down. They do. They do? Mm-hmm. I they think do. the other alternative was paying a guy like me to sit down and stand up. And, you know, know. that's not a bad job. <laughs> that would be a great job. Give me a, give me the, uh, and people would ask, you know, what do you do for a living? I sit down, I stand up. I'm a double yeah. rub guy. <laughs> That would be right up there with mattress tester. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I could I could get the highest pay possible because I'm very good at it. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just I'm just good at it. Wow. So all right. So what else did you see? You saw upholstered furniture. You well, saw performance fabric. With the upholstered furniture, we yeah. saw the introduction of a new arm style. And I think it's going to be very popular. Now, when you think of the chairs and sofas that you've seen, they either have a rolled arm or they have a squarish arm we call a track. Yeah. Or they have a little bit of a curved pleated arm we call English. Well, this new arm is called capped, which has the base of a squared-off tracked arm, but it has a rounded top to it. And, you know, depending on the fabric you choose, it can go very contemporary or mid-century modern. Mm-hmm. Very traditional and club-looking, you know, like an English club setting. Yeah. So I think this particular arm is really going to be popular in the coming years. And what did you call it again? I couldn't spell it. Capped. C-A-P-P-E-D. Capped. And okay. we were so taken by this new arm that we've actually ordered a chair. It'll be ready in January. Yeah. And we'll have it in our, in our design studio um, in Durham for anyone to come and see and try out. Paula Fullerton from So Fine 2 with another half hour of discussion about your home coming up on Making Your Home Great right after our news and News Radio 680 WPTF. Making Your Home Great, News Radio 680 WPTF, the telephone number to talk uh, with Paula Fullerton. Of so fine too is 919-860-9783. Dave Alexander here, along with Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing, and Paula Fullerton of So Fine Two at Sutton Station, Fayetteville Road, just down from South Point. But I honestly, Paula, I think if it's it's just up from South Point because you're you know. You're, I always you're, tell people turn away from the mall. There you go, away from the mall. So fine too. Yeah, go 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 away from the mall. Yeah. And Paula <laughs> will help you do everything from pick out what you might want to do with your window and window treatments to help pick out bedding and pillows. Can, and on that subject, Paula, can I just mention it would mean a lot to me and men everywhere if you would announce that throw pillows on the bed has has become passe. Is that true? I'm going to make you so happy because it is true. Wow! <laughs> we, we generally put one accent pillow. We'll make it maybe a little wider than, yeah. you know, a small little toss pillow. Yeah. But simplify. Make, make the fabric beautiful. Simplify it so it stands out. And make it easy to get in and out of bed every day. So other than the other two pillows that might be on a king-size bed, you know, Say, for instance, in my house, mm-hmm. 
you shouldn't necessarily have uh, two rows of three others and then one yeah. little one in the middle. Exactly, because where are you going to put them to get in bed? They end up on the floor. Yes, they do. So instead, put something spectacular and only do one. We need this part of the program archived <laughs> and, <laughs> and just emailed to my wife. That's all we need. Excellent. Well, I can well, help her great. pick out a spectacular pillow. What else can you help her pick out? Well, floor coverings. You know, the floors are the other wall of the room. They're the other important surface. Yeah. And, you know, so many people now are going with hard surfaces for many good reasons, like uh, wood floors, uh, LVT floors, tile floors. But you do need area rugs to delineate actual sitting areas in a room to absorb sound, and to soften the way a room looks. Yeah. So what are the criteria? What do we look at first to pick out floor coverings? Well, if you already have all the furnishings in a room, Mm -hmm. you're going to look at what you're working with, what color scheme and what style already exists, and then find that last missing puzzle piece to go into the room. But if you're starting from scratch, a lot of times we like to find a real statement rug, um, something that you'll enjoy almost like a piece of art, and just put the the furniture around it that is more in a more supporting role to the rug. Okay. I can tell you what my wife prefers for design. Okay. Do you know those stores that are half antique and half country? You know what I mean? There's like antique stuff, and then there's sort of primitive art, and then there's yeah. country stuff. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know you walk in, and you you have to turn sideways kind of to not knock things over? Mm-hmm. My living room. My living room. That's That's her style. But, you know, sometimes you can still have beautiful pieces that you've accumulated, but how they're arranged can make the room work better. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. We may see you. How about wall coverings? Wall coverings, arts, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, when we say wall coverings, the first thing I think of is wallpapers and wall textiles. Oh, I see. Okay. And for a long time, people were shunning those. They thought, oh, no, we had them in the 80s. We are, we're so tired of mini prints. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you, they're beautiful now. One thing that has been extremely popular are the grass cloths again. But they're not just brown with a lot of knots in them. They're beautiful colors. I I just helped one of my clients select a beautiful grass cloth in a lavender, which is just going to make that room spectacular between the texture of the grass cloth and the, and the color. I want to understand that I'm hearing the right words. G-R-A-S-S, cloth. Correct. And it's a woven, it's a woven uh, like a reed. Um, sometimes they're made out of hemp. Sometimes they're made out of reeds, um, and they're, they're just a very textured uh, cloth, like an open weave. I know if you saw it, you yeah. would recognize it, but you would recognize it in the old brown, dull form that had always been used. And this is, for want of a better word, a wallpaper. So Correct. from corner to corner, well, it's on the wall. Not necessarily. Accent walls are very popular, where you take the most prominent wall in the room. For example, in a bedroom, it would be the wall that the bed is on, the headboard is on. And you can put it there. It doesn't have to be everywhere. If you have a chair rail in a room, you can 
choose to put it below a chair rail or above a chair rail. It doesn't have to be floor to ceiling. So how, how wallpaper or a wall textile is used mm-hmm. depends on the room. Tim Ferruzzi's in a lot of houses. Tim, are you seeing that? You seeing wallpaper come back? Uh, I was going to say, yeah, uh, wallpaper is um, is has its place. Uh, my home, I've got grass cloth on the walls in our family room and our master bedroom and our uh, wet bar slash office. And of course, when we bought the house, it was already there, uh, and there was a wool berber on the floor, and mm-hmm. the, we still have the the grass cloth. We love it. It was put on. We think in the um, in the late 80s, we had one area in our master bedroom when we bought this place 14 years ago where under the chair rail, some of it was coming off. We had to do some repairs. So what we did is, um, because we didn't want to lose the grass cloth above, we ended up pulling off the grass cloth below the chair rail. I'm sure you, when you talk with people and you come into remodels, you suggest certain things like this. And we mm-hmm. ended up painting our grass cloth above our chair rail um, so we still had the texture, mm-hmm. and then below where we had to strip it all off, we painted it a darker color, and it, it turned out very nice, and we were able to salvage the, the grass cloth in that room, uh, but it was painted above the chair mm-hmm. rail, and the rest of the house, we were able to keep it. Mm-hmm. And you said the important word when it comes to grass cloth, and that's texture. And it, yep. in, in addition to adding a color to the walls, whether it's neutral or lavender, it's that texture that makes that room so beautiful. And is this a, of, I, yeah, go ahead, Tim. I, 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 can't, I can't imagine how they make that stuff. Well, it's actually, you know those little knots that you see? They uh-huh. weave it, and every time they are at the end of a piece of that reed or that hemp, they have to tie a knot to the next piece, and those are the knots mm-hmm. you get. Mm-hmm. So it's all hand done. This yeah. is a woven sort of string. Well, it's a little thicker than a string. It's a okay. little more rough, a little, you know, for that texture. But um, it can be it can be very fine with very few knots, and that right. tends to be more expensive. Or it can be more loosely woven with more knots, which, believe it or not, I prefer. I love to see those knots. Huh? It's not. It's beautiful. I've just looked it up. I've just had a look at it. I agree. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. That, and, that's and, a great wall covering. Yeah. All right. That's fine. That's fine. Oh, it's so fine. Um, <laughs> Paula Fullerton of SoFine 2 here with us um, to call us right now, 919-860-9783. We'll get you on the, on the radio. What else do we want to talk about today on the, on the radio show, Paula, in the next segment? Well, I wanted to tell you about some tables, a trend in tables that we saw at the furniture market. Trendy. Uh, what kind of dinner tables? Uh, dining well, they room. Can be, they can be dinner tables. They can be accent tables. Um, but they're called live edge tables, and we've noticed their popularity increasing in the last couple of years. But it really has hit big time now. All right, we'll get a description on what is a live edge table, and more next segment with Paula Fullerton of So Fine Two. Um, the uh, Website for So Fine 2 is S-E-W-F-I-N-E, the number two, dot com. More with Paula and Tim Ferruzzi and myself, Dave Alexander. Coming up, News Radio 680 WPTF.
News Radio 680 WPTF, making your home great on 2 until 4 every Saturday afternoon. It's 45 degrees right now. It's about as warm as we're going to see it today. Overnight low of 30. Then for tomorrow, a high up to 53. Between tonight and tomorrow, it's just partly cloudy, nothing significant uh, coming down. Monday, it's going to rain, maybe some morning showers. And Monday's high is 58, Tuesday 56, chilly. Right now it's 45, Real Feel 47, News Radio 680 WPTF. And on uh, this radio program, Making Your Home Great, next week we're talking about design failures on the building envelope with Tim Ferruzzi. Next week, or the following week, it would be uh, November 25th, uh, Tim's talking about tile and Chris Fulton of Fairway Home Detailing will uh, have a realtor in from Allen Tate Realtors. We're going to talk about maintaining your home uh, program they've got and improving your home for a sale and what the Allen Tate company calls no work zone homes. Paula Fullerton of So Fine 2 with us right now. I looked it up, a live edge table. They're beautiful. Aren't they works of art? They're just, they're wonderful. And almost any house has a place for a live edge table, whether it's a dining table, whether it's a sofa console table, whether it's an end table, or maybe a bench in a hallway. And what's your description of what I'm looking at here? A live edge table to me is a slab of wood, but so much more. It is. When, when a piece of lumber is milled, usually the edges, the long edges, are made very smooth and perpendicular to each other. Mm-hmm. In live edge, they're left natural, so they're the, the shape of the tree before it was cut. Sometimes they leave the bark on the live edge. Sometimes you take the bark off, mm-hmm. depending on how the, the table's going to be used. Um, sometimes the entire surface is one color. Sometimes you highlight the live edge by not taking the stain right to the edge, so you see a lighter band close to that edge. It, to me, they're absolutely beautiful. They can fit in any decor. They can be contemporary if maybe you put a chrome or brass base on them. Mm-hmm. They can be rustic with an iron base or a wood base. They can be transitional with a wood base. But I, they, they are my new favorite thing. I just saw a... Uh, a table that is a uh, an end table, or not an end table, but a coffee table for right in front mm-hmm. of the sofa. So mm-hmm. a low table, and in the middle of it is sort of a greenish glass, and the whole thing becomes a river in between oh, two slabs of wood. Stunning. Now, see, that's art. That's yeah. art for your home. There's a vendor, ah, they didn't give me any money for this, but there's a vendor at the state fairgrounds in the flea market area inside one of the buildings that sells these. And it's just, you're right, it's one of a kind. And it totally blows your mind. And when you see them wide enough to make a dining room table, usually you'll have a bow tie joint where you'll see where two pieces are put side by side. Uh It's blows your mind when you look at it you can't stop staring at the shape of the sides or the wood grain right right and it's all sort of a bumpy texture you know even where you're sitting next to it but it's not like it's a sharp thing and it's it's a comfortable you know comfortable table that's neat for dining tables or coffee tables we like the bark off 
Yeah. Because that's where you're going to rub them. So they might pick at your clothing or mm-hmm. scratch your leg. Otherwise, they're even beautiful with the bark left on. Right. Okay. So that's one trend that you're seeing. If we look at this, we say, ah, I don't like that. I don't want that in my home. I want something far more contemporary. You're, well, you, you don't care what I choose. You're out to find something that I'm going to like in my own home. Right. I'm going to pick what what you're envisioning for your home in mm-hmm. the right size and the right shape and the right application. It's not what I would put in my home. It's what your home is going to end up looking like. So what kind of accessories do you find that people are looking for your advice on? Well, it's stretching the accessory category a little bit, but they are truly an accessory, and that's lighting, yeah. lamps. People always want advice on where do I need lamps, how many do I need, how bright should they be, mm-hmm. should they be a real flashy lamp, or should they be something that you don't even notice. And so lamps are a whole category of accessory in themselves. Do they all have to match in style? Well, most of the time, no. Every now and then, someone has to have symmetry, mm-hmm. and then we would. You know, it's, yeah. it's your comfort. If you can't sit down in that room and feel comfortable, if your lamps don't match, then by all means, we will match your lamps. Most people want a variety that, that complement each other. And is that true in other design features, that people are mixing either contemporary with country or other things, you know, industrial with another style? Absolutely, and this has been a trend for a long time. You mentioned antiques before. How many mm-hmm. rooms have you gone into that have one or two pieces of antiques with current furniture? Yeah. It's nice to have an eclectic look. I was in a home the other day that had a wood-burning stove. It wasn't installed. It was, it was essentially as a little accent piece. So it was a conversation piece. Yeah, you could... Have it as a table? Right. Or? Yeah, you could walk in. You could put a, a cup on it. The, you know, the homeowner would go immediately get a, uh, 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 you know, something to put up on, underneath it. It was just an accent piece. Mm-hmm. It didn't so even look like it was installed. Mm-hmm. If people um, like something, they'll work it into their decor. Yeah. That's, that's neat. Paula Fullerton of So Fine 2... So Fine 2 is at Sutton Station, 5850 Fayetteville Road, just beyond, or if you're coming from the other direction, just not beyond, uh, South Point in Durham. Uh, you're, you're a couple of miles, maybe two miles from South Point? Uh, maybe about a mile. Maybe uh, about a mile. Just on the other side of I-40. Okay. If you want interior uh, advice on decorating, window treatments, window coverings, furniture, 919-806-3638. And if you go to the website and you look at the stuff and you say, nah, that's not me, you're still going to find something for them, even if your website doesn't match them. Absolutely. Our whole goal is to make their home the best it can be. I'm looking at a room on your website where somebody has taken um, frames, picture frames, mm-hmm. and they traced the picture frames and made some art on the wall, and then they've hung the picture frames. Mind you, there's no art in the picture frames. 
And the whole base of the wall is sort of a multi-colors, kind of a textured gray. Paula, I'd never have it in my home. I just, it would not be me. Mm -hmm. But I can see where that would work. It would work in someone else's home, right? It would reflect them. Right, right. And that's, that's the whole goal of design. It has to be a reflection of you and your taste and your style. Yeah, yeah. All right. We've got about a minute and a half. Give me your best uh, um, best brag on So Fine 2 and the other people who are working with you. So Fine 2 is the only decorating source you'll ever need. That's our tagline. We believe it, and our customers will, will attest to it. We have a great staff of, of designers um, and office help, so please stop in and get to know us. Excellent. Everything from window treatments to furniture choice, and furniture ordering, and you guys know about stuff that other folks are not going to know about. That's our passion. Yeah. That's neat. That's neat. And you went to the furniture market. See anything that uh, surprised you? You mentioned live-edge tables. You also mentioned the the, uh, uh, swivel chairs. Mm -hmm. What else did you see? Well, the color that dominated this year was blush. B-L-U-S-H. It's the new neutral. I think it's actually going to catch on. You know, a lot of these predicted colors don't catch on in North Carolina, but I believe this one will because it's a soft, warm neutral that is neither masculine or feminine. You know, Tim and I debate all the time about whether blush is a really good uh, design color or whether mauve or taupe would be. Tim, Tim tends to agree that taupe is a nice color. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. He has no idea. See, this is the thing, Paula. Neither Tim nor I can imagine what taupe or blush could be. We don't know what that color is. That's where you need someone to guide you. Blush, taupe. Yeah, all blush, right. Blush is not a gray. It's not a brown, which is your taupey. Yeah. It's a color all all in itself. It's not a pink. It's not a white. It's not a yellow. It's not the it's color a- that women put on their cheeks. Nope, 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 that's a cosmetic. (laughs) That's a wrong name then. Yeah. All right, bless you. Paula Fullerton of So Fine 2. Everybody call Paula this week or go to the website, 919-806-3638 is the office number. So Fine 2, S-E-W-F-I-N-E, number 2.com. Thank you, Paula. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it.